Good evening, you are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Joining me tonight, we have freelance writer, TJ Hafer. Hello. And we are also joined by freelance writer, Astrid Johnson. Hello. Uh, so today, we are going to be discussing Other Side, a tactics game of a sort, after a fashion, <laughs> with a very distinctive style. <laughs> From Lightbulb Crew and published by Focus Home Interactive. And I started to run into trouble just uh, describing like the outline of what this game is. Because saying it's a tactics game and it's in the vein of XCOM, I already feel at that point I'm already kind of lying. Uh, Astrid, what the hell is Other Side? Oh boy. Um, so it's... <sighs> hmm... It's like... So it is a tactics game. It is a tactics game. You're, you're, you're moving... Uh, you're moving your little, uh, your little sort of fighty people around on the map, and you're making them fight the bad ones. So in that sense, it is it's like XCOM, isn't it? Um, but in, instead of it being big, sort of like meaty thumb men in cyber armor, it's a bunch of moody goth ladies with red scarves. <laughs> um, uh, and that's it. That's basically that's the game. Uh, it's it's just XCOM with with goth girls yeah yeah um it's <laughs> also got a real vibe uh to it that yeah. kind of jumps off the screen it's all like really again to that that point of its gothicness uh it's not just that it uses a black and white color palette but it also is just extreme contrast of black and white mm. right like it's it's just like pitch oily blacks and then, like, really ashen whites and grays uh, that's sort of thrown into stark relief. And this is all sort of thematically justified by uh, a story I'm still trying to wrap my brain around. Uh, you're sort of thrown at the deep end, but uh, at the opening of the game, someone named The Mother is fighting this like epic last stand against these creepy monsters and after teaching you the ropes of combat and whipping a lot of ass uh it appears the mother just gets wrecked uh by this creepy little devil child that shows yeah. up at the end and then you're launched into like something reminiscent of like a darkest dungeon type thing mm. uh so what's, mm. what's and that's, going that's, on here that's where it sort of that's where it sort of differs from something like XCOM in in quite a big way is you've got this you've got this tactics gameplay you're sort of you're moving you're moving your fighters across the board and trying to set up like convenient combos with different moves and trying not to die it's very difficult um but there is that sort of like overarching oh, sorry, there, there is that sort of overarching um darkest dungeon style management system where you are like you've got to like keep your keep your daughters is what you're sending out you're the you're like the oh god it's it's it there's you have to go off so many tangents to explain this thing yeah yep. uh, <laughs> um but yeah you've got this management system uh you keep your daughters which are the names of your fight uh the the characters that you control uh, uh you keep them healthy by sacrificing other daughters that's the only way you can heal uh any anyone in this game uh it's quite it's quite grim um 
and uh, you've got uh, your characters will develop traits uh, on on various runs that they go on. So if uh, if they're like the only survivor um, of the trio that you send out on these uh, missions called synapses, um, then uh, they might have like a, a a new trauma to bring back home with them that will affect their stats in some wonderful mysterious way. Um, uh, if you uh, the one that I enjoy is uh, arrogant. If you if if one of your daughters just doesn't take any damage whatsoever uh, on a run, um, they start to get a little bit cocky, which means they they do more damage, but they don't gain as much experience. And like little pieces, bits and pieces like that. So the they sort of become their own characters, um, which is fun because you you sort of make them um and you send them out into the world and they come back and they change and turn into their own person so it is kind of like you're a mum sending your daughters out to war um yeah it's yeah. It, there's a lot to it there's a lot to it but yeah uh, it sort of clicks into place once you just sort of exist in the space for a while yeah x xcom is definitely a point of comparison darkest dungeon would be another one i think a closer point of comparison as far as stuff we've talked about on this show fairly recently would be into the breach because Mm. it uses it uses a very similar conceit of we we failed to stop the darkness and now we have to go back in time again and again and again until we get it right uh which is sort of the narrative structure of of the whole thing each run is a different recollection i think they're called or something like that yeah um so, you know, at the, every time you lose, you know, to a boss, your whole roster dies and it's like you failed and whatever. Um, also, the fact that similar to Into the Breach, all of the enemies actually behave deterministically. So if you understand how their AI works, you can tell what they're going to do and lead them into traps. Like certain enemies will always attack the daughter with the lowest health. They'll run right past anyone else to go to the one with the lowest health. Some will only ever go after the one who's closest to them. So it it definitely has that sort of um, once you get deep into it, it has that sort of puzzle logic that into the breach had where you can you can sort of follow this chain of cause and effect that, you know, is going to happen uh, to to set up combos and things like that. Yeah, it's like emo chess. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, to some degree. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Astrid, one of the things that you sort of. sort of highlighted in your review is one of the other big parts of this is this is entirely about order of play and managing the timeline that occupies the lower uh, quarter of the interface and shows um, basically like it puts a little character card along the timeline showing the order of play uh, that's going to unfold for the upcoming turn. Uh, And that's not just an initiative system because it's also tied completely to the action system. Mm. Uh, do you want to explain this part? Cause it's already giving me fits. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So, um, when, uh, when, when it's, uh, one of your daughter's turns, uh, you have 100, your base is 100 action points, uh, with which you can, uh, move around and perform various actions. Uh, that can increase over time if you unlock a um, like you can get uh, like un- uh, unlocks called memories that upgrade certain skills and sometimes they can give you like more action points to work with or your daughter can come back with a trait that increases that but the base is 100 and 
um you uh, can you can move around and you can shoot off your attacks you can set up traps and everything um but there's a sort of exhaustion mechanic built in uh, so if you use um if you use more than half of your allotted action points um doing uh doing bits and pieces um you enter burst mode which means you can do more because you use up more of that maximum amount of action points that you have but because you've reached the halfway point it sort of shunts you to the end of the timeline um uh which means that like you know there's more there's more time between this turn and the next one so enemies can sort of like sometimes even have like two or even three turns within the uh, within the time that it takes for your daughter to go next um so it's a sort of risk reward system it's like do you want to um just throw everything you've got at this one boss to try and like chip away its health um and putting you at risk of like taking a real beating or do you want to sort of poke in and poke out sort of guerrilla tactic it and uh do like take a little bit off here and there but preserve those action points so you always you're queuing up the turns that you're taking um and that is very interesting uh and what also plays into it quite a bit is um there are lots of uh different attacks and abilities and upgrades or attacks and abilities that um can shift you and also enemies um uh that you encounter in each map um up or down the timeline uh like there was this one boss it's the first boss in the game so like minor spoilers um but um uh if you're better at video games than i am you'll probably get there a lot sooner than i did <laughs> uh, and uh it's uh he's called the surgeon he's this big sort of plague doctor man and he's got like half a scissor blade in each hand and he's all angry and stuff um and he has these four um these four like supporting characters called um called caretakers because the whole vibe is like they're like um like grim victorian doctors and psychiatrists and stuff that's like the vibe of this faction um uh, so these caretakers will uh, perform devotions which is like a buff effect that um moves the surgeon 15 points ahead in the timeline every single time they do it um and i was having a lot of trouble um because i was trying to do my bits and pieces and i was trying to do damage to the boss but these these caretakers kept moving the moving the surgeon further and further forwards and he'd end up like this big boss that does like up sometimes upwards of a thousand damage each attack and like like daughter's health points can like vary uh but like at the stage i was at they were like 1500 so it was like taking a big chunk out of my of my, my daughter's health um and he did that like three times in a row uh before i get the chance to do anything about it uh and i was just dying and dying and dying and it was a pretty steep learning curve to sort of get to grips with that but um i ended up like using specific attacks and like attaching memories which are these upgrades that you get um to the various uh abilities that i was like throwing off um and like focused everything into like time delays um so i'd attack yeah. it it would push them back and it was really oh god it was so satisfying when like it finally made sense in my head and i knew what i was doing and i felt really smart um and that's great because up until that point i was i really wasn't sure if it was just like a difficult game um but it's sort of like it's sort of like it, it's like XCOM or it's like Dark Souls or like difficult games that are not like artificially difficult. They're just difficult 
in a way that like when once you learn the way the systems work it gets a lot more manageable yeah yeah it's it's like i've never played a tactics game i don't think where i'm thinking in my head about the concept of initiative damage mm. like i can deal initiative damage to these enemies to delay their action and that can actually be more beneficial to me because it lets me it lets like my blade master who one hits everything is going to get another attack before they get in it you know before the enemy gets to attack again yeah and the way that plays into the bosses which i thought were really really well done like these are some of the best tactics bosses i think i've i've fought because they all oh, yeah. are kind of a puzzle you're talking about the surgeon you know um if you kill all the caretakers uh they can't buff him anymore but then he also goes into like berserk mode so i figured out that actually the best way to fight him the most efficient way to fight him is to kill all but one of the caretakers and then just basically stun lock the last caretaker by continuing to just punt it further and further down the initiative order so it can never finish buffing him and then he doesn't get his super attacks that he gets access to and all the caretakers are dead and i won't spoil the later bosses but they're all kind of like that yeah. they all kind of have these puzzle elements where if you figure out how these mechanics all work together you can kind of pick them apart without putting yourself in too much danger i can't believe a ring fit tactic is the key to the first uh, <laughs> boss in this game <laughs> It's like, oh yeah, keeping keeping the last healer alive so that no more spawn in. Okay. Yeah, that's I mean it's kind of yeah, that's kind of how it works. But uh it's, yeah. Yeah, and see then, that's you know, really interesting have... though, because I didn't do that. I killed all of the caretakers, like that was what I prioritized. I immediately just like yeah. I murdered every single one of those guys and just like panicked at the surgeon for about half an hour until he died. And you can do that, yeah. yeah. You can definitely do it that way. <laughs> um, uh, Ill-advised, but you can do it that way. <laughs> so let me ask you, though, because we were talking about bosses, and, and TJ, you sound pretty high on them. Uh, I, am, I am curious overall, like, what makes the boss construction so good here? Because I know that bosses can be kind of a fraud... Bosses are kind of a fraught thing just across the board. Uh, sometimes they just don't feel like they fit with a game. Mm. Uh, but that can be especially true in tactics games where it can sometimes be tricky to make an interesting boss that doesn't feel like a powerful, hard-hitting bag of hit points. Uh, I, so, really, I really yeah. do think what makes, it, what makes it, what sort of brings it above that sort of monotony is, is that timeline mechanic. And being able to sort of like think ahead about when actions will happen and if you can make them happen further away than they currently are. Um, and that plays such a big part, especially like I have to admit. <laughs> so the only boss fight that I have done so far is the surgeon, because I I've played this game for so long. I play. I, I think I've got about 30 hours in now and I still haven't beat the second boss. I'm still struggling. It's 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 a tough a terrible, fight. It's a it is, really yeah. tough fight. Yeah. God, it's a it's a nightmare. But like that first boss, um, like it is it it's it like it. I think I think if if there wasn't that timeline mechanic in other side, then the bosses would be like annoying as fuck. Um, but because of that, because of your ability to sort of manage, it's it's almost like it's almost like you're you're like it's not that the boss is like on a more even playing field than usual instead of it being just like a big 
brutal, nasty guy with like big weapons who kills you lots. Um, because you have the ability to sort of gate off the the carnage, like like being able to bump back um, those moves is it plays it it just it it makes you feel like you have a fighting chance and it also adds to the tension a little bit as well because a lot of the time you really you have to get really really close with the timings um in order to make sure like those uh timeline shunt backs are like effective um yeah. and um i think overall because like a lot of the like once you figure that out with the first boss fight like you can struggle through you can struggle through those first few synapses um and get to the boss and hit a brick wall uh but once you figure out that's how the bosses work it starts to trickle into the rest of the game and you start to look at everything else in a completely different light um yeah and with that sort of retrospect in mind it's i feel like it's almost like the regular missions are like your regular sort of three by three rubik's cube um and then you go into a boss fight and it's like okay you, you you're getting you're getting good at this this little rubik's cube now have one that's four by four and see how you get on with that and it's like oh brilliant okay a bigger a slightly bigger challenge um but still within the sort of rules and like functions that i already understand yeah yeah i hmm. think it's 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 partly the timeline and it's partly that deterministic enemy behavior, which is mm. like the sec, including bosses. After you've encountered an enemy once, you can go into the codex and it will tell you, it'll spell it out for you exactly how this enemy behaves and how all of their attacks work. So you know, if I have, uh, what are the little dog guys like the little scurry dudes that? Oh, that get, those guys, the scavengers, yeah, I think. Scavengers, yeah. yeah. Mm. Like they'll they'll always go after. I think it's the daughter with the least health. So if if there's like five of them, and then there's like a caster behind them who is like dropping AOE attacks and and hurting everybody, and I have you know my my melee character who I know does not have the least health. I can just run right by those guys because I know they're not going to attack me. They're going to go after my my gunner who is way further back and, you know, mm. just, you know, walk right up and, and kill the caster. Um, so that 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 like puzzle element becomes a very uh, key part of it. Um, but then what you're talking about, you know, the that second boss who's the deacon, I guess there's there's a lot of bosses. So spoiling the first two probably yeah. isn't that big of a yeah, deal. Yeah, it's probably fine. Well, probably fine. Like the way I the way I eventually beat him was completely using timeline mechanics because I would run in with my shield bearer, which is the tank class. I would shield bash him to knock his initiative back and then she can go into a stance that moves her up the initiative order every time she gets hit. Uh which would give her more turns to do shield bash again to knock his initiative back while meanwhile I'm just dancing my blade master who does like a shitload of damage in and out of his AOE uh, with all of this extra time that I've bought myself. And it, it became like a sustainable cycle, basically. Like it, once once you understand how their attacks work and how to use the timeline, it's still really hard. You're still going to lose a lot. You're still going to die and go back to the beginning a lot like you would in any other roguelike, but it's manageable. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about it, death. Uh, oh boy! Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. When? Because 
you will feel like certainly in, in these early missions, like I start feeling I'm, I'm cruising a little bit. I haven't met the surgeon yet, but I'm like, this is great. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I rule. I don't. I don't even know what Astrid was on about. Like, I'm just gonna roll up whatever is in my path. Uh, and I assume the rug is gonna get pulled from under me pretty hard. It was pulled from under you guys pretty hard. But like, when the <laughs> yeah. worst happens, um what does happen like what like when you have a uh you know full uh trio wipe um what are you dealing with at that point what what kicks in yeah so uh if you if you lose all of your dot your active daughters and you don't have enough vitae which is like this the resource to summon more um or if you lose to a boss regardless of how many you know daughters you have on the bench if you lose to a boss that's the end of your run Everybody goes to what's called the cemetery, which is basically, you know, they're 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 dead. Uh, and then you go back to the beginning. Um, but then you have a couple mechanics that let you cope with that. One of them is shards, which you earn from all of the synapses you complete, which let you unlock bonuses for your next run, like increased health and damage or even the ability to skip bosses you've already fought. So you're not going all the way back to the beginning. Um, and then uh, you also can get... Um, Either at the beginning of a run or from certain mission types, you can get resurrection tokens, which will let you bring back one of your high level badasses who died previously and create this kind of continuity where like you never have a lot of them. But by the time you get to the end of the game, you can have about four or five resurrection tokens, you know, uh, to start with. So you're you're starting with at least some of your roster from the last run gets carried over but it's a bit grim isn't it yeah it is very it's a very, <laughs> this game is so bleak like i love it yeah. so much but it's so bleak <laughs> like yeah it's, so the thing yeah. i really love about the resurrection mechanic is um and i think i genuinely would not have given it a second thought if it weren't for the fact that every time you bring back one of your daughters um, their makeup gets a little bit more smudged. Uh, their their sort of robes become a bit more tattered. They look a bit like a bit more. They look like a corpse. They look like a corpse that yeah. you just freshly pulled out of the ground. And as they get in the ground more and more, they look more and more like a corpse that you've just pulled out of the ground. Um, yeah. And oh, it made me feel things. It I made know. Me, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, With each it's, resurrection, it's just... they turn further into Helena Bottom Carter. Basically, yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great description. That is a great description. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's a very interesting mechanic because um, it because like one of the overarching themes of the whole game is, uh, and I, I I think I think like once you look at it for a little bit, it sort of becomes quite clear early on is. Like, like once you dig through all of the the sort of the weird, like esoteric stuff and you find more memories and you unlock more of the codex and start getting a little bit of an idea of what's going on to start with. Um, the whole game is the forces of the this ethereal spirit called the Red Mother fighting against sort of the birth of suffering and like going to various sort of fractures in time where a horrible thing will happen that will make suffering happen and exist in the world. And you're trying to fight against that. Um, so the whole game is like, you're trying to stop suffering from happen, but you're, you're trying to stop 
suffering from happening by putting this collection of freshly birthed adult daughter people through death again and again and again and again and through all this trauma and through all this violence and your starting runs over and you're dragging people back out the ground and you're putting them back on the battlefield to fight again and probably die again and you're sacrificing daughters to heal other daughters like that that's a huge mechanic in the game um yeah. because you can't heal you can't heal your daughters without sacrificing so you're just like daughter. literally birthing daughters to be like heal patches on like your veterans basically kind of. yeah you can't you, they have to be you can only heal a daughter with another daughter who is of equal or higher level oh so no you can't just you can't just yank someone out and then you know break them down into you know a health potion so you actually do need you to have train to them tactically off before bond you sacrifice with this them. daughter. Yeah, it's right. like it's like you're yeah. it's like you're it's like you're the you've just been handed the keys to a goth girl battery farm. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, it's it, the, the yeah. The, there's well the, another theme of this game, both narratively and mechanically, is is like the silver linings, uh, which is like you know the the red scarves in the bleak, black and white noir world is is sort of a visual representation of that. The one of the mechanical ways they represent that is when you sacrifice a daughter to heal another daughter, she gets a permanent trait that is like a piece of whoever the name of the daughter you sacrificed was that will give her a permanent buff based on the stats of the daughter you sacrificed at the time that she died. So it's like she'll carry a piece of her sister with her forever uh, in, in honor of that sacrifice. I mean, it's very melancholy and like mm. very, very like... It, it it's 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 a one emotional gut punch after another but uh yeah do you there's, think this all lands does it does it all land well because like i think to an extent <laughs> what I, what i what impresses me so far is that the aesthetics do work pretty well i'm surprised how good yeah. the music yeah. is like this is oh yeah th there's a fine line here between like if this doesn't come off then it's somebody's art journal when they're in middle school or something right? right where it's like pictures of them and their friends but they're all like goth to shit and like blood is like you know pouring yep. from there it's yep. like yeah. it's that and that can be affecting because it can be very like open and vulnerable but it can also it can at the same time be corny as hell and that like kind of more laughable as it tries to be serious does mm. this kind of pull it off like do you say you know these are some gut punches like as the losses mount as you go through this does it start to feel like when you when you meet the mother at the start of the game, mm. you know, she even says like she's tired and like literally kind of ready to die. Yeah. And the rest of the game seems to be about like demonstrating uh, the curse of immortality for uh, this sort of, uh, you know, group of goth death commandos. But <laughs> uh, does like does all of this land as you go through it and uh begin enacting these like rituals of sacrifice and uh fatalism i think it's quite now hear me out here i think it's kind of like larp right um like go you on. go to a you, <laughs> so I've, I've been i've been laughing for a few years now and when you, you go to a larp and you put on your costume and you go out and you play your character uh, and then like the immersion kicks in, right? 
um, and you're like behaving as this, as this character and everyone else is behaving as their character and you sort of create this sort of shared imaginary universe and you get sucked in um, and everything is like really cool and it's emotionally impactful and it's quite intense and you really get into it. And then like the LARP is over and you're in the car on the way home and you're like, that was fucking stupid, wasn't it? That was so, that was ridiculous. That made, that was, it's so, that was so silly. But it was in the moment, in the moment, it was, it, it, it sort of brings you in so much that you forget how like ridiculous it is. Um, and cause it is, it is like, if you look at it, if you just look at it from an outside perspective, uh, it's like moody contrasted black and white aesthetics <laughs> with just the reds and they're all goth ladies and they all die a bunch and they get back up and they die again. And the music is deathcore. Oh, it's so, it's so edgy, <laughs> but like, but like when you're playing it, you, you, it's like, oh fuck. Yeah, no, this is so, this is so cool. It's like, it's like how I imagine like unironic fans of Slipknot feel when they listen to <laughs> <laughs> um, you know I mean, I mean? I'll, yeah i'll 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 even go even a step further in owning this and say that it landed for me completely and i yeah. love it and haters yeah, to absolutely. the left yeah uh yeah no i i mean it it worked for me it 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 it, it hit some it hit some sort of weak point for massive damage and i i really really enjoyed it the whole mm. aesthetic as cheesy as it is, I mean, without going off on too much of a tangent, I, I talked about this on Twitter recently in relation to Warhammer and Warhammer 40k, where it's like, yeah, I can recognize that this is cheesy as fuck, but that it also can present itself earnestly and I can mm. enjoy it on that level too. So, yeah, I think it's very much in that vein. Yeah, I like what you said there. Like, I do think, yeah. like, it's particularly with this, it is like the earn like the sheer earnesty of how they present yeah it's it's like deadly earnest yeah yeah um one of the other things i wanted to get into when we're speaking of earnestness uh in this in this game so a rapid path to my heart is when a game has a codex uh Hmm. for yeah for lore and uh lore reasons and this game sort of surfaces that right up front where like there's entries for all the characters, there's gaps about certain other concepts. Um, but also like the the act of putting together the pieces of like what the hell eternal war have I stumbled into? What like yeah. what are we actually yeah. fighting? Why are we fighting? What if we yeah. lose? Um, and it's it's yeah. fed to you non-linearly too because like you'll get memories unlocked semi-randomly that unlock little bits of this backstory in the codex and like one of the first ones i got was the second to last entry so i'm reading this and i'm like i have no idea what this is talking about and then it kind of fills in like piece by piece little by little as you unlock more memories until you finally have a coherent story that you can read from beginning to end but by then, if you've been reading every memory every time you unlock one, you kind of have an idea of what's going on and you just need to fill in these little gaps. Um, obviously, like mental illness is a big theme. Uh, to what degree? I mean, the, the missions are literally called synapses. Yeah, I, I don't want to spoil anything, but I also kind of feel like I don't need to spell it out for people <laughs> like there's there's multiple levels of happening here and we're trying to prevent the coming of suffering. So it's like. Yeah, I mean, TJ, at the risk, 
<laughs> at the risk of discouraging myself from completing this game. Uh, the, Is the there a chance guy, yeah. that in the end, fighting suffering and trying to destroy it is not the answer. Well, and, and you know, there's, there's that, that opening cut scene. Who is the quote unquote bad guy that, uh, that, you know, is, is causing all of this. It's called the child and the child is, we have to protect the child from suffering. Like I'm not, I'm not going to spell it out, but it's, 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 it's all there. It's but all it's, there it's within like think. the first 10 hours of the game. So yeah. Um, it's still worth experiencing, even if you can see what this is actually about from a mile away. I'm somebody who uh, unironically digs Death Stranding. <laughs> like, there you go. There I mean, you go. I'm not so, like, yeah. I'm not actually yeah. going to chase myself off here. Where it's like, ooh, seems a little on the nose. Can't have that in my aesthetic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, but it's an int- there's an interesting like second layer on top of that which is this kind of like gothic uh it's almost like a bubonic plague sort of it's very bloodborne-esque mm, sort of yeah. story where where yeah there's there's the level of it that is the deeper psychological level of it and then there's also the surface story which is fun to uncover little bits of which is they've got a whole timeline of when the whole weird plague stuff started happening and following those events and figuring out how they played out and how what gave rise to these very evil people uh that that did some very evil things uh it's 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 multiple layers of story that kind of sit on top of each other and they're each kind of interesting to figure out on their own so one of the things that um i'm a little so there's i have a lot of weaknesses in tactics games in terms of things i tend to just not be great at and one of them is um constructing turns well like so if you know when austin and i play xcom for instance i tend to look at each turn and be like okay what's the what's a good move here uh austin i think tends to be a little bit more of a we we're on this turn we've got five characters who have to go um what is the absolute best combination we can have of these five characters taking their turns. Right. Um, and how can they sort of combo up together and chain react in a way that like, if they were all acting separately, uh, they would be sort of exchanging it one-to-one, but if they act together, uh, you know, suddenly you're having like this multiplicative effect on the amount of like damage and destruction you're raining down. That's, uh, a thing that I, tend to struggle a bit with. Um, Mm. And one of the things that jumps out at me about this game is is sort of using the timeline as a hinge. Uh, Much of this game is about... Yeah, so a thing I I tend not to be great at in tactics games is just seeing the the whole board at once, right? Seeing Mm. how all my... uh, characters can act in combination and how you can sort of create a situation where there's like no chance right where like everything is going to unfold basically as you have foreseen um and that seems to be a big part of this game right like choosing 
when to put people in defensive stances, when to leave people exposed so they can deliver a uh, you know high powered but long delayed attack, uh, when to put people in like guard modes or reactive modes around other characters, and I'm curious as you develop your characters. Do the demands for doing that kind of forecasting increase as you play the game? Yeah, that, I mean, that is a that is a big part of the tactical consideration, especially when you start to get later, like in the later chapters, you have a lot more enemies who just like will do weird stuff to the battlefield and have like interesting ways of buffing each other um, to where, yeah, you do need to learn to line up those kinds of combos and like learn when like we discussed earlier, it might be better to um, it might be better to delay an enemy's initiative than it might be to actually do damage to them. And there are certain classes that are kind of specialized at that or certain classes you can build to be specialized at that. Um, so, yeah, I would say even more so than XCOM significantly more so than XCOM, that's a pretty yeah. big deal. Yeah. I, think, I think something that's absolutely worth mentioning alongside that is um, before I played Other Side, I played uh, tactics games uh, in exactly the same way as you, Rob. Like, I just, like, a character, it's this character's turn. Uh, okay, I feel like it would be good if I move this person here and they can do that. And then I'll think about, I'll think about the next thing when the next thing comes along. Um, and playing Other Side has sort of converted me like it's <laughs> it's just sort of like by by like by dint of it being like necessary uh and i i, I say that it has quite a steep learning curve and in in a way it, it does but um it's it's almost a, it's a steep learning curve that you almost have like a sort of like you have it's kind of like you have someone like you're, you're holding onto a rope and somebody's pulling you up the steep curve in a way, like it's got a couple of like aspects to it that make it a bit more forgivable. Um, and I found myself um, like as I was butting my head against this wall, um, starting to figure out that I needed to do the thing. And it so immediately like works out for you when you do that. Um, like I, I, I thought I, I, I thought like my initial perspective was that taking that sort of approach of looking at the whole board and um trying to like get all of your all of your uh characters to do the things that they need to do in order to synchronize perfectly with the other characters um that like I, it, it doesn't make sense to me i can't figure it out um it, it will also it, it will take too long and i'm impatient i just want to kill the thing um but taking that um taking that route is not only a lot i i feel like it i feel like it's a lot more there's there's more immediate gratification for um for taking that route and trying to like pair up these combos because it is a relatively fast paced game um compared to like something like XCOM at least that's what it felt like to me um it was moving along a lot faster um and um yeah it sort of just like it made me it made me because of how because of how quick it is and because of how necessary it becomes over time um i found myself just like completely like switching over to that whole board rather than individual pieces like viewpoint um and it just makes it it just makes it really fun to to do that 
in a way that other games haven't for me. Yeah, because uh, I mean, I, I I spoke about comparing it to Into the Breach earlier, which is actually a game that I didn't play nearly as much of because it mm. didn't quite click for me. And this this game is asking you to do a lot of the same things in terms of thinking of the whole board and thinking of how you can combine all of these pieces to do things that looked at as individual discrete actions might seem counterintuitive, but if you're looking at the bigger picture, they make a lot of sense. That's also very much the case with Into the Breach, but Into the Breach didn't click with me on that level, whereas Other Side very much did. So I I agree with you that it, it got me to think in that way and, and made me enjoy thinking in that way, probably more than any other game has in the past. And I do definitely think people who aren't into that kind of like chessboard thinking are probably going to find this game like so brutally hard that they they might not even bother to get to the end. But once that switch flips and once you start kind of thinking of every single uh, map and every engagement within that map as sort of its own puzzle, then that's when it really opened up for me and I started kind of cruising it, like not necessarily cruising ahead. You still die a lot. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I didn't I didn't beat a single one of the bosses on my first try. I had to die to them and then read their codex entry. So I actually understood what their attacks did and then try a couple different strategies to to sort of take them apart. Um, yeah. Did you ever feel boxed in by like bad character development choices? Uh, not Cause, really. Because in a rogue like that always freaks me out where I'm like, oh, well, if I get this wrong, I'm going to have this useless fucker that i'm bad with yeah uh, well here's here's the other thing is i i described it in my review as tactically savage but strategically forgiving um because it's it's fairly easy to farm shards i think it might not be too easy to farm shards that's the currency you, you currency you basically use to unlock talent points is how i would describe them for future runs and it's like, yeah, eventually, like every daughter you spawn is going to be starting at like level eight as a baseline or something. And, uh, you know, the the health and damage buffs get so high that it's it's honestly fairly forgiving. Um, I didn't feel like slotting in the right memories, which are sort of the um, items you pick up that can modify different ability character abilities. I didn't feel like whether I had the right ones or not would really make or break my run. Um, you know, the, the battles themselves are hard, but like the, the amount of resources you accumulate from one run to another and the amount of power you accumulate from one run to another, I think is actually tuned a little too far in the forgiving direction. Uh, and that's that's definitely something that I would say to somebody who's feeling frustrated with it is like, Okay, you lost that run, but now you have like plus 45% damage on all of your attacks on the next run. So, you know, give it another go. Think about this again as a bigger picture, not as each individual run. Uh, you're getting a lot stronger every time. Um, and you're you're getting on top of that benefits that will mitigate how far you're actually set back by losing. Like you can skip entire chapters, you can gain the ability to summon daughters at higher levels. So it's yeah, it's it's almost it's it's definitely, I think, too forgiving in that respect, which might be appropriate given how hard the combat is. Yeah, no, I I I I certainly agree with that as well. 
Um, but I, 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 as a as a, a a bad video games person, I, I kind of <laughs> I kind of appreciated that. Yeah. Um, like it, it sort of it, it felt like it felt like it. It feels like a it feels like a roguelike tactics game with training wheels on sometimes. Uh, and uh, I do not know how to ride the proverbial bike, so that's that's very good <laughs> for me. Um, like I love tactics games, but I've always been bad at them. But I feel like this one is helping me get better at them. It's it's like it's yeah. like a it's like a training course. It's like a really moody training course. Yeah. Yeah, like the real punishment was the emotional hits of, you know, having my daughters die and then, you know, come back and, you know, not not quite the same. That was the real reason I didn't want to lose. So, yeah. Uh, so I'm starting to get nervous just about um, the weird things that are happening with my recording. Uh, so rather than leave TJ as a monstrous Ooh. editing job, uh, let us discuss um where we're generally at with this game uh emotionally uh, tj you know you gave it a very positive review at ign mm -hmm. and i'm curious yeah. like how essential do you view this like if you're putting this in the context of what we've seen in the tactic space since uh for access uh sort of gave us XCOM and sort of revitalized the space like is this kind of an essential entry in uh in the genre S certainly for 2020 like I think if you're if you're mm. going to be in December 2020 having a discussion about turn-based tactics games and you didn't play other side, I'm going to tell you, you know, go leave the room and play other side and come back and we'll talk about it. Like um in in the broader scope of, you know, since that that sort of XCOM renaissance, it's definitely a blip on the radar and I'd say a fairly significant one. Um whether I'd call it essential, I think a lot of that is going to come down to your preference. Uh, if the aesthetic really doesn't vibe with you, you know, that's going to be a barrier. If you can't uh, do what Astrid was saying and kind of lose yourself in it, even recognizing the sort of inherent cheesiness, I think that will probably be a barrier for you. And if you are too, f are, are, if you're one of those people that, that wants to have um sort of this, those the superhero type characters you get in new XCOM uh that's that's never really going to happen it's going to be more like darkest dungeon where you expect people to die expect people to die early and often and uh the combat's going to be very punishing and you have to kind of think about the bigger picture of what resources did i you know as as the red mother accumulate uh from all of this you know pain and emotional turmoil I just went through uh, <laughs> versus uh, how did that particular mission go? Because the answer might be that it went very, very poorly. And there was nothing you maybe could have done about that at the time. Astrid, um, you're 30 hours in, <laughs> but also it sounds like the game has been uh, pretty ruthlessly uh, just ragdolling you around its levels. Yeah. Uh, so oh, yeah. in in the race between the game's punishing difficulty and your patience and your interest, like where are we at? Like, is this are you so into this game that like you're just going to continue absorbing that punishment like one of your daughters? Um, oh, how, I, I, how committed are you? Yeah, I I can't get enough of this game. I'm obsessed with it. Um, I, uh, I, um, perhaps, uh, a, a good way, uh, of putting it in sort of the, in 
tune with the tone of the game is that uh, I, I I cannot get enough of the pain. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, <laughs> God, that's terrible. Um, uh, yeah, no, I I it's it's very good. It's very good, and it's gotten me excited about tactics games in a way that I didn't think I could I I thought I was already very excited about tactics games and uh and other side has made me even more excited about them because it feels like it's helped me understand them more um and oh, I was gonna say something really poignant as well uh what was it uh <laughs> Slipknot LARPing Evanescence yeah, yeah. Ah, okay okay so um it, it wasn't poignant but i remember what it was um so it's you know, people talk a lot about um the the mixed bag that is focus home interactive right um and i i, I know that they've come out with i, I know they've published another two games this year and i've been hearing good things uh but like outside of that um i've played quite a few focus home games um and i think this is probably like it, at the very least, it's in the top three of of what Focus Home have sort of published, um, and uh, I don't know if I don't know if Lightbulb have made any other games um, before Other Side, um, but they um, let me just double check. Um, have they done anything else? Are they they've done a, they've done like a couple of mobile games before this um, by the looks of it. Um, so like for a for a sort of like console pc like first timer um they have knocked it out of the park and i'm really this game has made me very excited to see what they do next as well um but if you like if you like moody goth girls and <laughs> deathcore and black and white uh and dying a bunch and um sort of moral crises uh and like cosmic existential dread um then uh yeah no i think i think i think you'd vibe with other side now i'm also uh looking up where these folks come from <laughs> uh, i open the credits real quick and uh, some Peaky Blinders ass like uh, music oh started to play. And yeah, I was like, yeah, this game cannot be uh, anything but what it is. Yes, the the <laughs> better Peaky Blinders music. Let me put it like you know, sort of their um, <laughs> yeah. uh, sort of their spooky like music box uh, tracks that they use sometimes. It's like that. Uh, yeah, but yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Excellent. Oh shit! There's a Peaky Blinders. Then that says game. it all, really. Uh, there, there is a Peaky Blinders Tactics game out now. I haven't, I haven't looked at it yet. Uh, yeah. Do I hate myself enough to do this? I probably do. <laughs> probably do. Uh, all right, so that oh, will do it for yeah. this week. We'll be back next week with more strategy <laughs> discussion. I'm not going to promise we're going to do anything with the Peaky Blinders game. Uh, Peaky Blinders. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I might not be able to help myself. You knocked, knocked it out of the park. You, you did great. I'm very, yeah, well done with that one. That was, uh, you, you nailed the accent. It was very good. <laughs> yeah. uh, this, this episode is produced by <laughs> TJ Hafer. Three Moves Ahead is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. You can learn more about the show and discuss this episode of the community at threemovesahead.net or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash 3MA. 
Finally, three moves ahead is supported by listeners just like you on Patreon. Even when we're at patreon.com slash three may. That also has further information about our super secret Discord server where we occasionally talk about strategy games. You can read TJ's Other Side Review over at IGN. You can read Astrid's over at Waypoint at waypoint.vice.com. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of Three Moves Ahead. Until then, for TJ, for Astrid, this is Rob Zachney saying goodnight. <laughs>